Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor. That's, uh, if that doesn't convict you, take your pulse. Um, you might not be doing well. Good morning. Welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here. And uh, we have worshipped through coming together, uh, humbling ourselves to one another, exposing ourselves to each other and to the Lord uh, in obedience to Him. We've worshipped through, through singing, praising Him for who He is and what He's done. And we've also spent some time worshipping through the giving of our, our tithes and our offerings, surrendering what we have, giving uh, and, and just trusting in the Lord uh, with our financial situation. And this is the time of our service where we worship through communion. Now, it's a sacred, a sacred practice that particip- the church has participated in uh, for thousands of years. Uh, and it was something that prior to, to Jesus' life, um, the ancient Israelites practiced this. And it was this nod to the, the Passover meal. And it ushers in this, this notion of the new covenant, this new way of living that, that Jesus demonstrates and calls us to be a part of. And so what we do each week is we practice what's called open communion. So you are welcome to partake of this. Uh, if you, are, uh, you don't need to be a member of our church. Uh, if you are a believer in Jesus, uh, if you're a follower of Christ, we invite you to come to this table. And so we're going to take a few moments in just silent, quiet reflection. And we know that we've got the kids are in here, and sometimes kids squirm and they wiggle. And, you know, it's that time of year where people have sniffles and coughs and whatever else. And that's okay. We're going to... We're going to take that time to just reflect on, on who Jesus is and who, what he's doing in our lives, what he's made allowable or what he's, he's, uh, he's allowed to happen in our lives, what he's, he's caused that, you know, by his death and through the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives and through our lives. And so just take, take some time to reflect on the words that we've just sung. And as you're ready, come forward. We've got the elements to your right and to your left. Go ahead and grab those, bring them back to your seat, and then we'll all partake together. Um, So whenever you're ready, there's no hurry for this. Just come on forward, uh, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat, and then when all have, have grabbed, grab the elements. We'll read out of the scripture and we will participate together. It was not uncommon uh, in Jesus' time for friends to, to gather together to have these meals. Um, and, in, and in this case, Jesus rents this room with his disciples and they're, they're gathered together. And if you've ever been to a meal with, you know, 12 people, it can be a good time, right? You're, usually you're, you're sitting down you, and this is the, the crew that he's been hiking around with for the last three years. And so they, they come together and they, they sit down and, and they're having this meal at one point, and, and with kind of what was sort of a nod to the custom of the meal, but putting a new spin on it, they're eating, and Jesus takes the bread, and after blessing it, he breaks it, and he says, take, eat, this is my body. And as some of those more sacred and intimate meals tend to do, it lingers on in the evening, and he takes the cup, And he gives thanks and he says to them, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've been going through this this series 
Uh, we've been doing this thing called Casket Empty. And so it is uh, an acronym. Uh, it was developed by some seminary professors of mine, Drs. David Palmer and Carol Kaminsky. And, and, it's a, and there's a lot of different acronyms. There's a lot of different ways that we can learn how to remember the story of Scripture. But one thing that we've been going through and the reason that we've, we've been doing this is that we as Communitas exist to love God, to love people, and to reach out to the world around us. And it's tough to do that if you don't know the story to tell the people, right? And so part of why we're doing this, or one of the main reasons that we're doing this, is so that we have a, a simple way uh, for us to know and for us to teach the story of Scripture to those around us, believers and non-believers alike. Um, and so we've been doing this, this thing, casket empty. So this talks about uh, creation, the way that you know, the Lord created the heavens and the earth and set man in this garden. And then as a result of sin, we're forced to leave the garden. And then we moved us to the period of Abraham, where God set, takes Abraham and says, through you, I'm going I'm to make a nation, I'm going to make a people to bless the world around us. And it doesn't go very well, and it, but they, uh, they continue to, the, the story continues on through, through Sinai. And Moses receives the Ten Commandments, which, as we talked about a few weeks ago, informs us of what it is to be human. We moved into the period of the kings, and, and where it was renewed with, with David. Uh, you know, if you do these things, then I will bless you. And then we also saw how uh, sin fractures and, and tears things apart, and it doesn't go well for the people. Uh, and today we'll get further into the exile and then next week we'll talk about the period of the temple when they come out of exile and, and return, return home. And that'll bring us into the period of, the, of Messiah. Uh, on Easter Sunday, we'll talk about that. And then it'll move us into the period of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit uh, pours out over the people, moves us into the period of teaching, and finally into yet to come, uh, the, the age beyond. Does anybody think they can, uh, we're going to do this again? I think we can, we can roll through this. Some of you are like, oh, that was the first time I heard it. That's not fair. That's cool. Just kind of mouth the words along. If you do know it, speak loudly. So I'll, I'll start you, and then, and then you all are on your own. So we'll just kind of move through it nice and slow. We'll just creation, Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile, temple, expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, teaching, yet to come. Did I do it? I think I did it. Yes. Yeah, like I said, those E's are always tricky to me. E's are always tricky. Yeah, expectations does not come before exile. Exile first, then expectations. So, yeah, ready? Let's do it. So, creation. You all are awesome. All right, cool. Kids. Is it that time where you get to go do that thing with the people? I think so. I think so. We've got Lily and Nicole and Sandy have a fantastic lesson planned for you. Uh, so feel free to head on out that direction. Father, we thank you for these kids that you've entrusted them uh, to us. And Lord, we pray that our faith would be like theirs. Um, that we would learn to love you like they love you as well. And that we would all grow um, in our knowledge and likeness of you. Amen. Okay. So, here we are. Exile. Fun, fun topic. We're covering the books of, uh, of Jeremiah, Lamentations, 
Ezekiel and Daniel. Just four today. That's all we're doing. Just four. We're going to give a couple nods to Psalms and a few nods to Second Kings. But other than that, just four books. No big deal. If you were here the day uh, last week when we did Kings, we did pretty much all the minor prophets and all the, you know, a bunch of the major prophets, which we can talk about how to break that down in a little more accurate way some other time. Um, and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and First and Second Kings Chronicles uh, and uh, Samuel. That was a bit much. So today, relatively easy. Just four of them. Just four of them. So this, this will be good. Uh, and so the, the period of exile. Now, nah, we'll start with a story. Stories are more fun. Okay, so my friend Luke, uh, he's, he's, uh, in, in, um, in high school, he had this, this minivan. And he's driving down the street. Uh, you know, he's in the driver's seat. His, his brother Dave uh, sitting in the passenger seat, and there's a bunch of kids in the back. And so if you've ever driven behind or been in a van with a bunch of high school kids, you know it's going to get a little bit rowdy. And so, and especially if you're with a bunch of, like, you know, teenage boys, like, that's just a recipe for disaster, okay? Some cocktails are just better not mixed. And, but this one was, and so they're driving down the road, and, uh, and this guy is, like, making fun of Luke, and, like, he's throwing stuff at him, whatever, from, from the back seat, like, all the way in the way back, the third row. And Luke's driving, and he's like, dude, you better not do that. You do that again. I'm going to come back there and mess you up. And this guy's like, you're driving. This is, like, open season. You can't come back here. You've got to drive the van. And, uh, and so this continues, and Luke just flies to the back of the, the van, and he just starts wailing on this kid. And, also, and in the midst of the wrestling and everything, there, you know, this panic, like all the kids in the, in the car going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Luke is doing this thing. And all of a sudden it hits them, right, because they're teenage boys, and it takes a while for the brain to catch up. And they're like, who is driving the van? And they look, and, and there's Dave, Luke's brother, just driving the van. Just look back like, no, dude, it's cool. I got it. Keep wailing on him. He had it coming. It's all good. And so they're talking to Luke about it later. And like, how did you know that Dave was going to do that? And he's like, dude, it's my brother. Like, I, I know him. Like, that's just who he is. I'm going to, like, from the second that I said I'm going to come back there, Dave was probably already putting the armrest up, got his hand on the seatbelt, like, I know this joker is going to do this again, and this guy is going to fly back there, and I want to make it out of this thing alive. So I'm going to probably have to slide over and drive the van. And, uh, and so and, and that was, it was classic Dave and Luke, right? One of Luke's favorite stories is there's this old, uh, and you've probably you've heard various tellings of this story. It doesn't make it a bad story, even though it's redundant. Uh, the good ones usually are. So there's this, this naval captain, and he's, he's up on the bridge, and, and, uh, and he gets this radio call. You know, this voice identifies itself and says, ah, oh, yeah, you know, big, huge, cool ship of the big, mighty Navy. Uh, divert your course. And the captain's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the commander of this ship. I'm not going to divert my course. And, uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, this is so-and-so. We really suggest that you, you change your course. And, and as, you know, these things happen, it kind of escalates, and, uh, and the commander of this ship is like, I don't think you understand. I'm the commander of the most powerful navy in, in the world, and if you do not divert your course, I will be forced to take action and send down all the firepower of our military might. 
and the voice comes back over the, the radio, uh, okay, but we're a lighthouse. <laughs> so we can choose our actions, but we can't choose our consequences. And sometimes we become blind to what we're going, what's going on, right? Just like this, this captain thinks, oh, I'm, I'm big and I'm bad and, and my strength alone, I'm going to just grind this out. And the life, lighthouse is like, uh pretty sure when you smash into the rocks, I'm still going to be a lighthouse. We'll throw you down a rope. That'll be okay. And just like, 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 Luke's, uh, like, like Luke, the story about Luke and his brother, character informs our decisions. Um, and we're going to see that today within, within the exile about the way that God's character makes a way for his people. And so exile... Uh, as I said, we've got Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are, are kind of our, our three writers, um, and then yeah, the author of Kings and, and a few of the Psalms. And so what's happened is, is Israel, as we talked about in the period of Kings, right? So they, they broke into, they had a, a united monarchy uh, under David, and then Solomon, and we read it, we talked about Solomon with Ecclesiastes, and he wrote a good chunk of the Proverbs and, and a few Psalms, and, uh, and the, the nations split and Judah was formed in the south, Israel to the north, and um, and they're they're moving along, and it's just chaos. They want to be. They're supposed to be a blessing to the other nations, and then we read in Jeremiah and Lamentations. I know those aren't people's necessarily favorite Devo kind of go-to sort of books, but if you get a chance, read through it. Especially Lamentations is a pretty short one. You can kind of just breeze through it, and. Um, and it just shows all kinds of a mess that these people are getting in, and the comparisons that, that the authors draw. I mean, it's, it's really graphic. And it just talks about the depravity of the sin that they've fallen into and just how horrible it is. And they think that they want to be, you know, these, like, oh, I want to be this, this tough people. They worship power. They worship money. And they think, oh, we're going to be like these other nations, and we're going to do these things, and we want to have all these idols. And God says, I'm telling you that is not the way to do it. And they're like, no, we're, you know, we, we think we can figure it out. I know that didn't work for that guy, but I'm going to do it this time, just much like we do. Where it's like, oh, the, the previous generation didn't work for them. We're going to try it our way, this way, and it's not going to work for us, not like it's gonna, not going to work for the generation after us. And they're like, no, it's, it's going to be cool. And finally God's like, you want to you wanna be a super mighty, awesome military power, and you want to worship idols and do all these other things, and you don't want to follow my ways? You want to see how that goes? Okay, sure. You want to be like another nation? Yeah, Assyria? Come on in here. Yeah, big, super, mighty world superpower that creates all these different crazy torture chambers? Yeah, here you go, 722 BC. You can go ahead and cart Israel off to exile. And that's what happens. So 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel gets carted off into exile. God just leaves them over to their own devices and says, you want to live that way? Go for it. The way that you were doing that was oppressing the people, you're supposed to be a blessing to the other nations, and you're not. I'm just going to let you deal with this. Things are going a little bit better in Judah. They last a little bit longer, but not much. They're caught up in the same kind of thing. It's this back and forth. They're always trying to rely on their power and their might. They're not worshiping the Lord as they ought to. They're oppressing the, the poor around them. And God says, you want to know what that feels like? Fine. Babylon, yeah, you just took over Assyria a couple, a little bit ago. You crushed them, yeah, come on through. And in 586, they take the, the kingdom of Judah and they start to cart them off uh, into exile back in Babylon. And that is where we meet 
uh, Ezekiel. So Jeremiah and Lamentations. He was, so Jeremiah stays in Jerusalem, and he writes about Jerusalem. And then Ezekiel is about 20 years younger, and he's a, their, their counterpart. You read, if you read Jeremiah and Ezekiel at the same time, um, you'll find there's a lot of similarities. They're writing to similar people in similar times with similar experiences. And uh, Jeremiah is composed, it's a, kind of a collection of his writings and sayings toward the end of his life. Um, and, and Ezekiel is, is a couple different visions, and uh, we'll get into that. And then Daniel... Uh, Daniel's are really cool. Just a, a quick side note. Um, Daniel is a really cool story in that it's one of the rare occurrences where we get to see someone's faithfulness to the Lord throughout their life. Like some of the, some of the stories that we have are just real little snippets. And Daniel, we get to see that Daniel gets carted off to exile and he says, I'm just, we're going to be faithful. And he gets invited into the, the court of the kings and he's just going to demonstrate what it is to follow the Lord uh, through adversity and through, uh, uh, through, through folks that aren't following the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. If you have an electronic device on which you read, go ahead and grab that um, and flip to Ezekiel chapter 11. We'll be in Ezekiel 11 and Ezekiel 37. Those are the two places we're going to hang out today. Uh, and so Ezekiel has this really interesting calling. So the, the Lord shows up and, and they're having this conversation and he says, you know, you're going to go and you're going to prophesy. And he, and he says, hey, you know, you're going you're to do some street theater. You're going to do a couple different things. And Ezekiel is a priest and he's writing, uh, he's sitting on the river. It's his 30th birthday. It's the time that he is, if he were back in Jerusalem, that he would, he would uh, become and kind of be consecrated as a, as a priest in the temple but the temple was destroyed and they've been carted off to Babylon. So he's just, he's just kind of a mess and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, Lord, I got to be faithful to you, but you know, my training was all to be right here in this specific spot. So now what does it look like for us to be here? What does it look like for me to do this here? And so the Lord comes to him and appears in this vision and, uh, and, he, and he, sees, uh, he sees the Lord and he's like, okay, well, I've, I've got to adhere to this. And so the Lord says, hey, you're going to do a few things. I want you to, uh, to demonstrate to my people what's going on. And so he actually has them set up this little version of Jerusalem and then he like lays siege to it as, a, as like, this is what's going to happen to you. And then he says to him, he says, okay, then you're going you're gonna to cook your meals. He's gonna, he lies on his side for like a year. He's like, hey, you're going to cook your meals with, uh, with cow chips, except for they're not cow chips, they're, they're people chips, so like human dung, right? Like that's not a great time, you know? And so now remember, he's a priest, and so there's, there's Levitic code, and so he's, he's like, no, I, God, I, not only is that disgusting, but no, like, I can't do that. I'm, I, like, I've never let any unprofane things touch my mouth. I've, I've been exemplary this whole time. I, I can't do that. And the Lord says, okay, I'll go have these cow dung. Oh, that's the predicament that they're in. That's, a, that's the gravity of this situation. And then in, in Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel sees this vision of the presence of the Lord leaving the temple. It is like the ultimate low point of the Old Testament. Like we thought it was bad when, when Adam and Eve sinned. We thought it was bad when, when they wandered in the desert. We thought it was bad when, when the kingdom split. We thought it was bad when they had idolatry for hundreds of years. And this is like the last blow. This is the dagger is in and it's turned. The presence leaves. 
And so if you're a priest and you're, you're Ezekiel, you're sitting there, so imagine that. Like the, the kingdom went well. You've been witnessing the default, the, the downslide of the kingdom. Now you're carted off to exile. And right when you're supposed to be kind of coming into your own, you're sitting on the banks of a river in a faraway land. And you have this vision of the Lord's presence leaving the temple. Are you not crushed at this point? And yet, in that same vision where he sees that, the conversation continues. And the Lord says, Therefore say to the people in verse 16, Thus says the Lord God, Though I remove them from far off among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore, say, thus says the Lord, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. Remember, that's the stuff we talked about with Abraham, property, and progeny. I'm going to gather you back together as people, bring you back to the land. And when they come here, they will remove from it all the detestable things and all the abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart, er, stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. that They may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after the detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord. So right away, we see that God has a plan for redemption. Right away, we see that the Lord always upholds hope. Now let's flip over to chapter 37. We'll see some of these, these same things echoed. And so again, he's a priest. So there's a couple things that priests don't do. One thing you didn't do was touch a corpse. Seems pretty straightforward. There's some, some cleanliness laws. You're running around in the desert with a bunch of people living together. For, on a very practical way, yeah, you just don't want to bring germs into a bunch of folks like that. But it was also this God is about life. We talk about God's character. God's character is about life. And so to touch, a, to touch a corpse and then go into the temple kind of set up this picture of things that didn't make any sense, that weren't, weren't right. And so God sets him in, the, in this valley of dry bones. We sang the song, you know, we're a valley of dry bones, lead us back to life in you. So this is, this is Ezekiel 37 right there. And he says, and so God gives him this vision where he's in this, this valley of dry bones. And he says to him, son of man, can these bones live? Now one, if you're Ezekiel, you're sitting there and you're like, uh, I'm not supposed to touch a corpse. And now I'm in a bunch of bones. Like I thought it was weird when I was supposed to be in the temple and now I'm in the land of exile. Like I was supposed to be among the living and now I'm surrounded by the dead. This is not good. And so we see in this the gravity of the situation. But I love his response. Son of man, can these bones live? And he's like, uh, oh Lord God, you know, always a great default. God shows up. Hey, uh, can these bones 
can these villains live? If you say so, yeah. He places his trust in the Lord. Because he knows that if, if the Lord's character will, if it, it's like, yeah, God, by your character, I know that if, if you say it, go for it. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Let's read on in verse 22. He says, And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all, and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them from their backslidings in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. They shall be an everlasting covenant and I will see them in their land and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So Ezekiel sees the presence of the Lord leave the temple. Why? Where does it go? The people aren't there. It's off with the people. The people who have been scattered, the people who are off in exile. God is going to stay true to his character. And then what does Ezekiel do? He pretty much lays out casket empty right there, right? Doesn't he? He's like, what's the first part? He says, I will cause breath to enter you. Now, if you're a, an ancient Israelite and you're, you're hearing this, you're going, breath, ruach. I remember this. This is Genesis 2. This is Adam and Eve. This is the first time that God and I came to an agreement. This is the first time that God breathed life into his people. And, he, and in between there, in between verse Verse 5 and verse 22, he tells a story about he takes a stick and there's two sticks and the two become one. And if we remember that Israel's story is our story, and so there's always going to be two kingdoms. There's, a, there's always going to be two kingdoms within us vying for one another, that which is good and that which is evil, that which is holy and that which is not. And Ezekiel's saying that we've got this heart of stone and, and the Lord is going to give us a heart of flesh. And just in the same way that he, br- he brings the, the nations back together in exile and then again in the temple, so I'm going I'm to bring us back to one another. And he says, I will be their God. They will be my people. I'll make a covenant of peace with them and it will be an everlasting covenant. So if we remember from when God speaks with Moses and with David, there's this if-then, right? He says, if you do this, 
then this will happen. And there's some curses that happen. He says, this is an everlasting covenant. This is a covenant that does not change. And I will write it on your hearts. So we went from kind of a communal faith with the tablets, these stone tablets that Moses had. And he says, I'm going to make you personally responsible. I'm going to write it on your heart. It's no longer going to be written on tablets that can break or be dropped like Moses did when he comes down onto the mountain. But he says, I'm going to write these on your heart. You can't drop it. You can't lose it. It's within you. And he says, you know, if you're going to walk in your ways, that's fine. But if you walk in, I want you to walk in my ways. And I'll be with you. And if you're not going to do that, We've seen it before. It's going to be Assyria and Babylon all over again. And then he recasts that vision. And then the nations will know that I am God when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. So he's calling us to, to repentance and to follow him. And what, what this does is this brings understanding uh, in, in a couple of different ways. So we're to realize the depths of our sin. If we look at the books of, of, of the exile, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Lamentations, Daniel, we'll see the gravity of our sin. We'll see that it's not good. We've been called to be holy. We've been called to be a blessing to the other nations. We've been called to repent and to grow in our holiness and our union and our communion and our likeness of God. And so when we realize the depths of our sin, we're called to repent. And we get this new view of what God is doing. And he breathes life into us. And we start to gain this understanding that we're we're to be a holy people. And we've been called to participate. We've talked about this over the last few weeks of how we've been called to gather together and to scatter out. The very roads that bring us here are the same roads that take us back out to the places where we're called to be. And that in those places, we're to bless those around us. And then we're going to, to exemplify godly character. What I think is interesting about these is, um, you know, some, I know some, some of us come from different theological backgrounds. We're coming in here with, with different questions. And some folks are kind of skeptical of the faith. And one of the arguments that comes up pretty frequently is, you know, gosh, why does, in the Old Testament, it just seems like Israel's coming in and they're supposed to bully all these other people and push these other nations around, but then they're supposed to be a blessing. I don't really get it. And so we see that by not driving out the sins of the Canaanites, that Israel actually begins to oppress its own people. And so they're not this token child that gets off lightly. We see that they get punished pretty heavily for what they've done. And if you're coming in here today kind of weary with where the world has you, we can see that the message in Ezekiel and throughout the, the exile and throughout the scriptures is there is always hope. And just like Luke knew that he could dive into the back of a van because the character of his brother would just move over into the driver's seat, we also see that the Lord's character always gives more grace, always has room for hope. And for the Christian, redemption is on the way. But we're to be watchful. There's always this undercurrent. Yes, you're to be the blessing, but also be watchful of what you're doing. Be aware. 
Israel's been blessed, but they've been called to use that blessing not for themselves, but for others and for the glory of God. And so much like that naval captain, we have chosen our actions and we don't always get to choose our consequences. And sometimes we have to live with those, but as we said, there's always hope. So despite the fact that we've totally blown it, as James 4, 6 says, he gives more grace. So it's my call to you, wherever you're at, regardless of if you consider yourself a Christian or not, repent of your sins and follow the Lord. This is our hope, that the Lord that lives, that has died and has risen again by His Spirit lives within us, that we can live a holy life and to be a blessing to those around us. And so it's my hope that we would be a people that would be known in the Brainerd Lakes area and throughout the world of people that exemplify and follow the Lord. So as we close our time in singing, pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are able to read it and speak about it and learn about it freely in this country. And we pray, God, that we would take our lessons from from the history of your people, of our brothers and sisters, and that we would repent and follow you. Not because you are scary, but because you are loving. And because it is good. I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries for where you have been scattered. We all come from all sorts of different backgrounds and different places. But may you leave here today with one heart, with a new spirit, God's spirit put in you. May he remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Join us for coffee and simple carbohydrates and hangout time. Go in peace.